Welcome to the Dope CFO Podcast, where you can find the best information for accountants and bookkeepers that want to start and grow a highly profitable and flexible remote cannabis accounting firm with your host, Andrew Hunziker. Now that's dope. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Hunziker, CPA, also CFO, founder of Dope CFO as well. About my background, I've been a CPA for over 25 years, was at a big four, including PricewaterhouseCoopers. I won the gold medal award for the highest score on the CPA exam, as well as was runner-up for the Portland, Oregon Business Journal CFO of Year Award in 2017, and I was the first ever cannabis CFO to be nominated. Done lots of startup work as well. Um and love um, teaching all of our community. We have now over 500 people in all 50 states in our Dope CFO program. So we're going to talk about bookkeeping, core cases, entity structures, tools, how we land clients day-to-day, month-end, et cetera. If, and again, if you're watching this and you already know you want into cannabis, et cetera, you can um, always hop ahead or go book a call with me um, just at our website, dopecfo.com. So let's jump in and look at this. Where are we today? Um, Early 2022, we have a whole lot of states legal in some form or another. And actually, if you want to truly say illegal states, there's only about two or three that are literally completely illegal. Um, But more importantly, the federal government, we're really, really close to getting cannabis THC off of Schedule 1, just like we saw with CBD hemp several years ago. Um, Now we're about to see this with cannabis. We have both Republican bills and Democratic bills. Seven out of 10 Americans want medical cannabis. And I tell people when seven out of 10 of us agree on anything, then we are going to, um, it's going to happen. Lots and lots of issues, whether it's cash, banking, software, taxes, accounting, cost accounting, etc. It's not easy to jump into. We have many verticals, starting with farming. Then we go to chemical processing plants. Then from there, actually, we go next to manufacturing. We make foods and beverages and gummy bears and tinctures and all kinds of things, lotions. Then we'll get into distribution, retail, testing labs, and even delivery companies. Um, not a ton of guidance out there. There's all kinds of conflicting ideas and, and things you can pull off of Google. Um, still federally illegal as well. And the audits are on a rise. The IRS is basically winning everything. States are winning everything. OSHA showing up. Um, we tell clients, you want to do this stuff right um, or you're going to be in a bad way. And the IRS has a huge target on this industry's back. And in every bill in Congress right now, they're talking about raising funding for IRS, staffing, audits, etc. So I tell the, the farmers and business owners out there, dispensary owners, buyer beware, and it's a lot of cash in the business, so we've got lots of potential fraud money, money laundering as well. So let's just look at, um, there's many reasons why these companies are flagged for audits. First and foremost, they're just in cannabis. <laughs> Secondly, the IRS has done enough work now to know that most um, most cannabis companies are filing incorrect tax returns and the incorrections usually on paying too little tax. They're trying to figure out every strategy to beat 280E. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, Taking deductions that aren't allowed. I see that all the time. Not doing inventory counts. That's a huge one. 
um, monthly, quarterly, reportedly requirements aren't happening as they they should be, or large sums of cash not being accounted for properly. If, as a bookkeeper, accountant, CPA, whatever, we're going to have tons of challenges. And the only reason you're listening to me at all is I built this program for myself because I had all these challenges seven years ago when I started, and I basically had to build all these tools and work papers from scratch because they didn't exist and they still don't outside of our program. And there's many vendors that won't service the industry, including payroll, POS, merchant services, et cetera, and lack of great accounting tools. You're still mostly going to see QBO zero and accounting suite and most cannabis companies, um, very few or no industry guides and um, big four still not here. Gap guidance, et cetera. Cleanup is just a, almost guaranteed given going to be messy. Oftentimes, you have to go back several years. Now, as we move eastward and we get more startups, we're going to have lots of startup tools and and systems needed to help those companies. We'll, the On the good pro side, we'll get out of cleanup on a startup, but on the negative side, we got a lot of other things we got to do for them. We've got to use the state mandated seed to sale required in every single cannabis state software. It's either metric MJ freeway or buyer track. You don't get a choice. So like if you're in Oregon, you use metric. All three of those are, in my opinion, really bad software. Um, and, and they're slowly improving, but not quickly enough. In my opinion, we still got to deal with it. We've got lots of complex legal entity structures. So you're going to be thinking consolidations, business combinations, standalones, multi-verticals, just in one organization. Lots of workarounds requiring um, work as well. There are tons of what I call whales. And, you know, when you go out to the ocean, there aren't, I guess, in the entire ocean, there aren't that many whales compared to other smaller fish. But it, luckily in this uh, niche, there's lots of them. So there's many sub-niches. Almost all, and, and by the way, I'm defining right here in the middle bullet, a company with five to 15 or $20 million in revenue or capitalization. That describes most of your mom and pop startups in this niche. Sing, could be a single farm, could be a single dispensary. A two or three dispensary chain could could pop up to um, 30, um, 30 million or more um, as well. So, so they grow very, very quickly. And so... No matter what city, state you're in, I'm in a very small city, Bend, Oregon. It describes the clients I've had here, whether they were lab, farm, dispensary. Um, you could look at the outside of the building and be like, gosh, that looks like a rundown coffee shop. And then you find out they're doing 8 million in sales and you're like, wow. Um, they need experts to help them as well. I expect, so right now there's about 150,000 companies that need accountants in the U.S. that are CBD, cannabis, or hemp. This is the number I expect as we go fully legal over the next two to three years, definitely by five years, and most of those are going to be whales. So if if you are an accountant, C, CPA, bookkeeper, CFO, et cetera, and you've got a deep toolbox and a lot of knowledge and a great community, you can go land very, very high paying six-figure clients, just single clients in this niche. Who am I? I won't spend much on this. I founded Dope CFO. I speak around the U.S. I write articles for state CPA society magazines, AICPA. I'm their subject matter expert. I've written, I think, every article Accounting Today's had on cannabis CBD I've been included in. So I, I speak to the industry and um, you can, if you want to read more, you can go to dopecfo.com. I help plan and lead the fall conference, the two-day cannabis conference in Las Vegas. 
for CPAs all around the U.S. I actually brought in three of our Dope CFO VIP members to speak as well. I think I spoke at four sessions and moderated three more. I'm right now planning the cannabis conference that's going to be coming, I think, in July. We're debating that July or August of this year as well. So let's keep moving. Why is this so specialized? I think we've hit a lot of this already, but you just need things right off the bat. Since you're often doing multi-vertical accounting for farming and a dispensary and the, you know, in the normal farming world, you're not going to, you might have a apple farmer, you're not going to have a, a retail store to go with it, but you might in cannabis. And so we've got to have chartered accounts that actually work. We need cost accounting work papers as well. We're going to do lots of reconciliations of every account from cash to inventory to all the balance sheet accounts uh, monthly. We're going to have to tie up the different software systems. What we like to do what I call, and we'll talk more about this, build a permanent audit trail. We want clients to be audit ready, literally from inception, every single month, any month, all the time, any time. They're going to have auditors. The banks are going to even be coming in and auditing them and doing many audits every quarter. They need to be ready for lenders, um, investors, acquisitions. So we've got to have them ready. Same, same exact thing on a perpetual data room and specialized onboarding. Um, also, we got to look at the cost accounting. And again, so you could still today, you can come out to Oregon, where I am, or California, Colorado, wherever. You can just go to a random farm dispensary, ask them how they cost their inventory, and I would just bet my life on it. At least nine out of 10 have no idea how to do cost accounting. They don't have the tools to do it, and they're not doing it. <laughs> um, and what, what does that mean if they're not doing cost accounting? That means, first and foremost, their gap accrual books are wrong, which means it's going to be really hard to run your business if you don't even know what your actual gross profit is. Um, secondarily, their tax return is going to be wrong, um, and they're either overpaying tax or underpaying tax incorrectly. Both those answers are not good, so we need to um, really help them out. Let's jump in and look at the tax codes. This is the biggie, 280E. You'll hear this a lot. The good news is you can memorize this if you want because it's only one sentence long. And I'll highlight a couple of key words here. No deduction or credit. That's a biggie. No, because I see still posts all the time. Well, what about this? Can I deduct this <coughs> um, accelerated depreciation or whatever it is? <coughs> Excuse me. It says right here. No deduction, no credit. That doesn't mean some exception, et cetera. It means none. Um, so on their tax return, if they're a farm, dispensary, et cetera, they're not going to get any deductions. So um, it also says right here, if they're trade or business, I'm going to highlight that. Um, it doesn't say their legal entity structure. So if you come across a cannabis company that has nine legal entities and the dispensaries over here in LLCA, and they've got eight other non-cannabis entities, it doesn't say, oh, just only your legal entity that says it's cannabis. They're going to look at what they see as a trade or business. Note, those are not legal terms. Those are very, very broad terms. What could be a trade or business? That could be just about anything. And so in Harborside case, um, they learned the hard way that, that what this means. And so if, if they come in and look at your trader business and you got nine business entities, they might say all nine of them are cannabis. Even if you think you've got this sweet little management company off to the side, you might get an unpleasant surprise. Um, same with the word trafficking. So is the 
So dispensaries and farms growing pot, they're definitely trafficking. But what about a delivery company? What about distribution? What does trafficking mean? Um, we'll look at that a little bit as well. But generally, for sure, if you own, take ownership of the goods, it's trafficking. But there's still debate on, for example, delivery company. In the criminal sense of the word, taking a illegal substance from point A to B, even if you don't own it, is trafficking. Um, so that hasn't been tested in the courts. So that's a good time to remember as we go through this, whenever you ask a question and it's like, hey, what should I do? I've got a dispensary. Should it be an S Corp or a C Corp or an LLC or, or I've got a delivery company. Does 2AD apply? Be very careful if someone just gives you, this is the answer because the answer is actually, it depends. And some answers are, it depends on what the courts say. And we haven't heard from the courts on, for example, delivery companies. So there is no answer. Other on entity, we'll talk about that more. There's, there's usually the answer is it depends. There is not a clear answer. So just be aware of that going in. 471 is the good news for the cannabis trafficking companies. So 471 is not a deduction. It's not a credit. It's the rule for inventory. Um, inventory is a return of capital. And so to book up inventory on the farm or at the plant where you're making gummy bears, et cetera, you simply have to do cost accounting or you will not be able to book up inventory. So, you know, the, the cost of your inventory in a plant is not going to be that tiny little seed or clone clipping that might actually be free. It's going to be all these costs that we're going to add to that plant as it grows. Utilities and water and labor and indirect labor and all these other things, rent. Um, so we need to know how to do cost accounting. 471.2 looks at our valuation. Um, 471.3 dispensaries. Um, this is a very short code section. It basically says if you're a dispensary, inventory is what you paid for it. So if the farmer drives up and gives you a, a pound of pop for $2,000, guess what? That pound costs $2,000. Don't try to start putting in some rent and other costs into that pound of flour because it's not going to work because it says very clearly it's the invoice price plus transportation and necessary cost to acquire the goods, not to show them in your shop or whatever. We see this all the time. Many people are deducting things at retailers that they shouldn't be. 471, 11 is the highest benefit value for the buck for a farmer, et cetera. You can get a lot of costs actually in inventory. And so you can get direct costs, direct materials, direct labor, and you can get three different categories possibly of indirect costs. And we're going to look at this in more detail because it's very, very important. And this is how dope CFO VIP members help their clients do taxes right and actually save money as well. So in general, if we look at these indirect costs, um, so if you're out on the farm, before we even look at indirect, direct labor and materials. So direct materials might be the special soil you bought and direct labor is Sally who's out there on the farm watering plants all day and planting them. But what are indirect costs? These are costs which are incident to and necessary for production. Um, and let's look at these. So there's three types of indirect costs in 471.11. Um, you can Google this code and, and read it closely later as well. And category one are things which you have to put in inventory. That said, are cannabis farmers putting these things in inventory? Often not. Um, they're not. You have to do cost accounting to do this, and they're not doing it. So even though it should be in inventory, oftentimes it's not. Things like rent, repairs, maintenance, utilities, et cetera, big costs. 
Now, these are costs that you never want to put in inventory or you're going to get in big trouble on the tax return, marketing, advertising, selling, distribution. And it says clearly not to put them in inventory, so don't do it. And then finally, there's a, a subset of costs that you can put into inventory if and only if you're doing it in your normal recurring financials and right here in red, only if that accounting is not inconsistent with GAAP, generally accepted accounting principles and cost accounting. So this is where we tell clients in our Dope CFO VIP, we're going to do this quarterly at least or monthly generally accepted cost accounting. And guess what? That means your inventory cost is going to grow bigger. And what happens when inventory is bigger? When it's sold, cost of goods sold gets bigger, which lowers your taxable income. That's good news to the farmer and just, um, gummy bear maker, et cetera. So what are some of these costs that we can, we can utilize if we're doing GAAP? Um, pretty big ones, some taxes, depreciation and depletion, employee benefits, cost attributable to strikes, rework labor, scrap and spoilage, which actually can be huge on the farm. Um, also factory admin, officer salary insurance. So clearly you can see we want to be doing this. Most aren't. So it's an it's easy pickings for, I say, people going out and finding clients say, look, I know you're sensitive to tax and 280E. You're probably doing your tax return wrong. We can do it correctly. Um, that's a good pitch. So that leads us right into the next section, becoming a VIP in the area. So you can do what I did and become a valuable expert over years and years and just bouncing my head off the wall and searching Google and meeting people and and really just wasting a ton of time. <laughs> um, but if you're gonna be in this industry, the quicker you can become a, what I call VIP, which is valuable expert, instructor, participant, the quicker you're gonna be successful. Um, Dope CFO, that's probably the basis of our whole program right there. We wanna get you to be a VIP in 90 days or less, in less than one hour a day. And there's nowhere else you'll be able to do that that quickly. And when I say expert, First and foremost, I want you to be expert in all things cannabis, the medicine, the science, the plants, the strains, the brands, the operations, the software, the insurance, merchant services, marketing, everything before we even talk about accounting. Then I want you to be an expert in accounting and cost accounting and understand then our tax codes, 471 and 280E. And then even after that, um, our court cases, what are the latest opinions? What are the latest people saying about what we can or can't do um, to do things correctly. Once we're at that expert level, we can quickly become an instructor that doesn't have to be speaking up in public if you don't like that. It can be, but it can also be doing webinars. It can just be educating the prospects you meet there about doing things correctly. Um, we had, I can think of like Carlos, educating some people in a, a Zoom Instagram room that I think had six people and he landed a client out of it. So sometimes it's just speaking up saying, hey, we know how to do this right. We can help you. Or maybe it's even answering questions in digital LinkedIn or face, Facebook groups that are tailored to cannabis. <coughs> Etc. We have many Dope CFO VIPs speaking all over the U.S. I go speak with them as well. We have four of us speaking at Brooklyn. We had two speaking at Lucky Leaf in Houston a couple of weeks ago. We had some um, speaking in Detroit. <coughs> so we encourage it and we help people um, find, locate, and speak at these events. And even at the bottom, participate. This is the easy one. Participating in the niche is the funnest, easiest way to go land your first client. 
or your second client for that matter. There are groups, local and national, everywhere. Digital groups, real world groups, women's groups, diverse groups, farming groups, dispensary groups, you name it, normal, um, all these different groups, go get involved. Some of them are small, that's fine. Go get involved. The people in these events and pushing the movement nationally are investors and owners, and you will very quickly start meeting people. And really in this niche, my goal with my, my students, my goal number one, I want every one of the people in my program to get that first really high paying client, five to 10 grand a month, hopefully a six figure client, and then from there, we'll grow. And by the way, after you get that first client, do a great job, dispensary or whatever, the dispensary can lead you to their farming vendors. The farmers can lead you to the dispensary owners. So if you do this piece right, eventually, pretty quickly, clients and prospects will come to you. You'll get to take the alpha role, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, and um, land great clients. So let's talk about just exactly that. How do we land great clients? First off, you want to position yourself as a premium provider. So I use cars in my example a lot, like Tesla or, or Mercedes. And so when I see the Mercedes dealer down the street, you know, they're positioning themselves right there. There's their brand. We all know this is kind of high quality. And that's how do we want to do that? So I often say, you know, the whales are out there. I know how to catch them. We, we help our people in Dope CFO catch them, but I also don't want to catch a whale in a rowboat. You got to have a big fat ship. So you got to have the knowledge, the skills, the tools, the systems to actually deliver world-class service. Once you land that client, if you land a client, like I think of Tara or Tammy or whoever in a program at 15, 20 grand a month, you better back it up with really solid um, product and service. So we need to know, um, oh, understand, yeah, what the client needs is value, plain and simple. They don't need your degrees, your resume, any of that stuff. They want value. They want accounting and tax done correctly. <clears throat> if you can position yourself as that premier provider in the space, um, your these prospects will value you even before they hire you, and they will actually pay more. Um, and the at the end of the day, yeah, you can have one, two, three clients and build a seven-figure firm. You don't need to build these massive funnels with content and blogging all the time to where you need an endless source of clients paying you one, two thousand, three thousand a month. We want you to really take your time, build out your higher, higher paying clients. Um, pricing relates to the value provided. So here are these value drivers. Um, I've been saying this for quite some time. We have a marketing presentation in our program where we send this to prospects because I found, and I've worked with $100 million companies. I founded companies. I've been CPA and CFO in big four all over the place. And I don't care whether it's Nike or IBM or the local coffee shop. This is what I think owners want and need and value. So I never ask them what they need because I know what they real. They might tell me all kinds of other things that aren't on this list. Like they might say, oh, I want you sitting next to me in my office eight to five, five days a week. Or I want you to do AP and AR. Or I want you to do the, a tax return. It's like, no, this is what they want at the end of the day. And by the way, bullet one is the requirement for the next four. So I might tell a business owner, what you want is world-class accounting tax. Like, oh, I don't really need that. 
They want, but they will tell you, of course, I want improved cash flow. Of course, everyone does. Of course, I want lower taxes. Of course, I want world-class reporting to run my business well. Of course, I want peace of mind. Well, I would say, guess what? If you don't have absolutely rock-solid accounting and tax, which again, nine out of 10 companies do not have anywhere close to that, um, you will not get those other full four bullet points. And so we need to do that correct gap cost accounting, perpetual data room, build that permanent audit trail every month with tick marks and tie outs. Then we can go from there into great reporting. You know, if you build the fanciest looking reports, but you build them on crappy data, they're worthless reports, garbage in, garbage out. So we get that accounting, then we're gonna have greater reporting to run and manage the business, help our board members, investors, and lenders. From there, we're gonna focus on cash flow, lowering the taxes correctly, doing it the right way, and then just having peace of mind that, oh, our, our accountants have this nailed. We have things built out every month. We're ready for exit. We're ready for mergers. We're ready for an audit. If the IRS shows up, we're always ready. Now, so if we can deliver that value and the owners buy into that, that it's important and that we can deliver it, then they will receive a return on that investment and not view our fees as a cost. Word of mouth advertising will grow, meaning more clients will find you. And we want to make sure that our offering addresses these key owner uh, value drivers. If not, they're just going to treat you like an, a commodity. Yeah. Hey, oh, you're a part-time CFO. Great. Um, I'll pay you five grand a month and I want you here 25 hours a week or whatever it is. That's not how we do it. We say we're ABC accounting company and we do everything from start to finish and we provide all these value drivers and here's the, the 25 ways we do it. Um, and our price is this, take it or leave it. So we're gonna price on benefits, not features. Um, that's what the clients will actually value. And then we will back it up with top of the line service. So by having that package and that ship instead of a rowboat to pitch to the whale, guess what? You can now become the alpha role and it's a very assertive role leading the prospect through the processing instead of the other way around. When we get on a phone call with a prospect, we ask the questions like a doctor would. How big is your company? What verticals are you in? What's your revenues? How many employees do you have? Questions like that. And then we're going to follow that up and say, look, we're, we're very busy. We're going to get you a proposal today. Tell us how, tell you how we work. We're not for everybody. We are the best. We are expensive. We do it right. We're remote. Um, and it's, and it's going to be that very assertive role. And then what, what that offer will do after your call that you followed up with, they will, um, it will weed out the Walmart shoppers of the world and that we don't want as clients and the people that, that respond, they will be people that actually get that they actually do want high value accounting and tax. And it will give you more confidence as well. So for one, it'll make client acquisition easier by playing hard to get. We learned this, I say back in middle school, it actually works being confident. Um, you don't have to be so nervous about getting on a phone with an owner and thinking I've got to defend my resume and be ready to answer all their hundred questions because we just don't answer questions on the first call. We ask them, it makes you a lot easier, puts you in control. We give them a take it or leave it proposition. We don't, we also explain here is the value we bring. Here is our price. Here is exactly why our price is high. So if you do that right, they'll never email you back. Why is your price high? And if they do, I'll just send it back and say, yeah, I guess you didn't read this. I already explained why our price was high. Um, it gets us to a yes or no very, very quickly. Um, we don't do free work or any of that kind of stuff as well. And eliminate sell selling. 
It's just like, here, here's what we got. You know, it's kind of the Mercedes Benz of cannabis accounting. This is what we do. And it also gets us treated as equals. If you go in like this from the very first call and they do hire you and they're say they're paying you 10 grand a month, um, guess what? They're actually going to treat you well. They're, they're going to know good and well that you're not an employee. You're not a contractor. You're not a freelancer. You run your own accounting firm. You're part of the Dope CFO VIP network and they will be um, treating you as such. Here is Tammy right now, <laughs> doubling, just got laid off and landed a new client that doubled previous month's salary and it's a client, not a job. Um, that's amazing. And what this doesn't say, very soon after they hired her, they gave her, I think it was five grand a month raise because they told her they were paying her too low, even though it was solidly in the six figures. Um, okay, so once we, we get that education, knowledge, tools, systems, we're part of a national network, hopefully, that's going to make it easy to find clients. Um, now, even if you're not in our program, you can still, I would encourage you to utilize this, figure out ways to find your business owners. It's very, very easy in the cannabis niche. Send an email around pain point, or if you're participating in this, maybe it's not an email at all. Maybe you're talking to somebody side by side at a brunch or whatever. Um, tell them the pain points. If you do a call with an owner, ask questions about their business and send a very um, assertive offer. Now, again, don't send an assertive high-priced offer if you can't back it up with world-class service. Okay, let's just pretend you went through that, you're in our program, you landed the client. Um, the next thing there, we're going to see lots and lots, we discussed this endlessly in our group, um, lots of verticals and entity issues. Um, so there's complexity here on the legal side. We are not, for the most part, attorneys. Now that said, we have, I don't know, seven or eight attorneys in our community. So that's awesome as well. They help guide us. But we can, we can give input on their structure and ideas. We have lots of ideas. We have work papers, actually, that discuss the pros and cons of all these different entity considerations. But it's, it's more complex. There is no one-size-fits-all answer. You may have one cannabis company that um, has only one owner. You may have another one more likely that has eight owners. And each of those eight owners has different, um, different risk profiles, different goals. Some are more focused on really protecting their assets. Some are more focused on, on lowering their taxes. We need to understand who exactly the owners are, which state they're in, et cetera, before we can really chime in on some of this stuff. Also, are there non-cannabis entities as well? That There's proper way to do that. Um, if there's any kind of non-cannabis entity that we want to utilize, we want to make sure that it's substantial relative to cannabis. We want to make sure it's profitable. We want to make sure it's accounted for separately so that we can um, maximize our um deductions. We'll look at C-Corps versus flow-throughs. Flow-throughs, um, you're probably going to pay a little more tax. Um, in today's environment, by the way, that's changing. We've got 199A considerations as well. There's much more audit risk. C-Corps, you do get double tax possibly, but you can also possibly avoid that if you do 1202. Um, so there's just a lot to consider on those. There is literally no one size fits all. And if it is some kind of flow through LLC and you've got several owners, you better make darn sure the owners are getting tax distributions every year or quarter. Um, you better make sure the minority owners understand exactly the risks they're getting into. They might get 
big fat K1s with lots of tax owed and no distributions to pay for it. So let's be very careful on that side. The IRS is definitely aware of games being played, particularly on this old and used up idea of, oh, I just need to make several entities. Um, 280E, again, applies to a trader business. It does not apply to a legal entity. So legal entities do not get you out of 280E. <laughs> That's the long and short of it. Um, can you use entities? Yes, there are ways to do it. And we have ways we talk about in our program, but the ways most people are using it are just incorrect and um, they won't work when the auditors show up. <clears throat> Putting everything in the world into cost of goods sold, not a good idea. I'm seeing people put things in cost of goods sold before they've even sold anything. Guess what? You don't get cost of goods sold if you haven't sold inventory. <laughs> and you don't have inventory at the farm or the chemical plant if you are not doing cost accounting. So again... It goes back to that cost accounting, et cetera. Having small non-candidate divisions, that doesn't work. IRS is winning. I still today, and we, we argue sometimes about this in the group. I say, you know, Sally or Joe in our group, maybe they're more aggressive than I am. I feel that it's in the best interest of the cannabis farmer or dispensary owner to actually do 280E correctly, correctly minimize their tax bill using cost accounting and let them focus on their brand, their market share, vertical integration, location, um, growth, focus on those important things. Their valuations are going to be based on those and not net income. We see that in the public markets now. We see it in the private markets as well. Okay. So say you want to jump in and you want to figure out how the heck do I do all this? This work paper, I actually made for a dispensary owner about six years ago to just show him what a, how complex it was because he didn't quite get it at first. Uh, and this was their setup. They had a POS system. They were using GreenBit over on the left. Their accounting software, I think, was accounting suite. We had a merchant services software that's not PayPal or Square. And then the state seed to sell was a metric. And we had people entering data at different data points in all three systems, and many of them not accountants. And so... What over here, the diamond shapes in the middle, that's what I call the truth. Inventory. We are counting inventory daily in the dispensary, cash daily as well. Inventory, we're doing weekly cycle counts, but oftentimes three, four days a week, um, as well as month in. And we are tying things out daily, the cash and inventory to all three systems. And we're finding and fixing errors. If you do not do this, I can guarantee you, if you take what's in the the state seed to sale system, you compare it to the POS, you compare it to the counting system, you'll get three different numbers. So you go over to the shelf and you count the gummy bears and you find eight boxes, but in metrics you find should have nine boxes, but in the POS it says you have 12 boxes and then a different number in the accounting system. Doesn't work. We got to do lots of stuff um, to make sure we're reconciling getting that in place. So when, when I first got started, if I'd known how many work papers and tools and checklists I was going to have to build, which is way over 100 at this point in the DOPE CFO program, I would have quit. I'm almost 60. Oh, I was too late in my career to mess with this, but I got suckered in. I was like, oh, I just need a chart of accounts and maybe some inventory control work papers. And I just started, oh, I need a PBC list. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I need an accounting policy file. I just started building things and over five or six years, 
I have spent probably over a thousand hours building tools and work papers tailored for this niche. Um, it's a huge part of the Dope CFO program. You cannot get them anywhere else outside of our program. And that's why people in my program can charge such high rates to their clients. We actually not only have the tools and the national community that's second to none, we actually have the tools, the toolbox to serve these clients correctly. And you need all this stuff and more. Controls, documents, onboarding stuff, engagement letter, PBC list, cleanup tools, closed checklists, perpetual data room, all the different charts of accounts, um, cost accounting templates, um, month-end tie-out systems. Um, what else? Financial. Oh, lots of reporting templates, rolling cash forecasts. We also have lots and lots of startups in this niche. So I think we have eight or nine startup tools. We have financial models, pitch deck considerations, um, lots of tools that they will need as they go in um, as well. So you, you will need a lot of these tools and whether you try to create them yourself, which you can do like I did, um, or you get them in our program, you are gonna need them if you really are serious about serving this niche. Um, onboarding, we're gonna look at this real quick. So make sure your engagement letter is Canvas CBD tailored. Make sure you have a quarterly fee adjustment, not just annual. Um, we have a price quoting tool in our program as well to make sure we don't underprice these engagements. Um, PBC list, super important. We can't even get started until we collect a lot of information from them. We're gonna set up a perpetual data room. This basically lets them organize their stuff on their cloud, not ours. So they're ready for audits, investors, lenders, exits, M&A, et cetera, at any time. And that adds a ton of value to them. Also controls and corporate governance. We wanna put that stuff in place as well. Um, example, hopefully a lot of you have seen PBC list perpetual data room. This is valuable to the owner. They can share all their data, parts of their data, pieces, inventory, tax returns, whatever it is, whenever they want it. Day-to-day, um, -day, we're definitely make darn sure we got support for every last transaction and event in the financial. Again, lots of daily cash counts and inventory counts. Um, Make, yeah, be careful with your accounting file. Oh my gosh. Segregation of duties is one of the controls we're going to put into place. We only want accounting people in that with any access if we're certain that we were supervising that person at all. Um, and definitely anyone who could ever touch the accounting system, make sure they do have not have any access to inventory. Um, that's a good way to um, get into theft and fraud. So in our program, we do a month in tie-out system. I call this the permanent audit trail. It's very, very valuable. Um, this comes out of my big four background. We, we're seeing very big companies from day one. It is completely common. And as we, we grow to all these new companies, the companies will start out with five to $15 million on day one. Because if you're gonna start a farm, indoor or outdoor, or a processing plant or a dispensary chain, you're gonna need millions of dollars. And that means more than likely, you're gonna have investors and lenders on top of the CEO management team. They're gonna be prime targets for audits, both not just IRS, but state and banks as well. Lots and lots of M&A already, but when, when THC goes legal, we're gonna see the floodgates open. Um, books that are not audit ready simply cost the company tons of value leakage. I've seen this many times through the years, even at exits. I've seen companies take two, $3 million haircut just because in due diligence, they start finding holes left and right in the books. And they're just like, okay, we don't even know what else we're gonna find. 
you know, the, we were going to buy the company for 30 million, but guess what? We'll give you 27 with this mess or we're walking away. So that's a big value driver. We, we, promote as well. We want that permanent auto trail every month from start to exit. Um, again, it's going to add big value to them as well. And by the way, this trail goes backwards and forwards. And by audit trail, I mean, we're going to talk the actual transaction or event, the source document into the trial balance. We do a massive trial balance tie out with tick marks, et cetera, into the permanent files. Then that's going to go into every single report tied out as well. So we know the reports are tied out to actual rock solid accounting data. This is just a snippet of one tab of one month um, that would show um, cash and the cash part of the trial balance will we will also in the month end audit trail we will document every single aje and we will have explanations and tick marks to tie those out as well so someone later who's trying to figure out why the heck did they make all these entries what where did they come from if you're just looking in quickbooks or wherever we'll have them actually tied out as well we're going to do inventory and cash counts for often during the month but definitely at the end of the month as well We've got to reconcile all the different um, accounting systems. We're going to do our cost accounting, make our AJs, do our accruals as well. Um, and then we're going to do much more than just a balance sheet PL in our reporting. We want to do cash flows. We want to do much value add, um, budget versus actual KPIs, benchmarking, rolling cash forecast, super important. We have a growth snapshot and, and more. You've been listening to the Dope CFO Cannabis Accounting Podcast. Every other Monday, we air tips and insights on cannabis and CBD hemp accounting. Make sure you subscribe today and also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. We're pretty much everywhere for more advice, tips, industry news as well. Um, to find out more about our cannabis and CBD accounting program, visit dopecfo.com and don't forget to be dope.